But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners do that much. If you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should there be credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate. Compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, or make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Here ends our reading. You may be seated. So I have to be real with you today. This text is a doozy. It's a big one. Whenever I do like the new members thing, we have a little situation where we ask like, what's a teaching from Jesus that's particularly challenging? Love your enemies. Right up there. I mean, what a wild concept. I'll say though, I'm grateful for hearing it because maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I assume I'm probably speaking for more than that when I say one of the main reasons I come to worship is to hear that kind of good news because it helps tell an alternate story that helps me in my daily life to avoid falling into these traps of judgment violence anger being told that there's another way a way of peacemaking a way of restoration a way of courage a way of kindness a a story that says the unbelievable thing which is that death does not have the final word A world restored versus a world that can sometimes, without being refreshed in that word, can sometimes feel so bleak or overwhelmingly negative, violent, divisive, whatever you want to call it. I say this today because we have a teaching that I think is truly at the heart of the good news. Love your enemies. It is one of the most vital teachings of Jesus that we have. And the truth is, we actually don't get this reading that often as people of faith. In our lectionary, we only get this sometimes in like a long epiphany do we get this opportunity. Not as much as you'd expect. We talk about loving our enemies because we know it's important to Jesus. But this reading is unique. It is literally the direct teaching that helps put an end to what I would say is the most heartbreaking and lingering sin in our culture, which is tribalistic violence. Us versus them. The most reoccurring and damaging element in our society. That thing that turns brothers and sisters into other than, into them, into something other than us. 
My football metaphor worked a few weeks ago, so I'll try it again. Tribalistic violence is what turns people who live in Pennsylvania into people other than just people who live in Pennsylvania, but into Steelers fans. <laughs> right? Cincinnati gets this. Tribalism. It's skyline versus gold star, right? You have your team. You have your high school. Then there's that other high school. Feels really good when you get one over on that other high school, right? Your colleges. But it gets into deep and less playful rivalries as well. When you get into our culture and you hear conversations about <coughs> immigrants versus citizens, Democrats versus Republicans, nation versus nation, it is pervasive. It is a source of trauma, death, nagging feeling that at least creeps in my head. There will be no end to this conflict. There is no way to end this physical, mental, combative violence without additional violence. And it wears me down, which again is why this teaching is so deeply profound. I don't want to undersell it. Against the background of all teachings of thousands of wise teachers recorded throughout the ages. Jesus actually says a lot of things that other people have said. He's a good Jewish boy. He's, he's quoting the books, right? But amongst all of his teachings, this teaching stands out as the most unique. Love your enemies. There's nothing like it. It sounds agreeable. Treat others the way you would want someone to treat you. You're going to teach him that, right? That little guy. We teach it to our kids. And that's a good one because it seems simple and it would sound good, especially to us Lutherans who hang our hats on this little word called grace. Little word, big meaning. Unmerited favor. It isn't treating people the way they treat you. This is treat them as you would like to be treated, meaning treat them with the charity you hope you would receive. The generosity you hope you would receive when you were having a hard time, when you would make a mistake, when you are in need of sympathy and understanding. It sounds really good, right? Lutherans, we like grace. But in practice, in practice, practical wisdom would tell you a completely different story. Practical wisdom is, and practical application is we treat people how they treat us, right? You meet, it, you meet people with what you've received, Letting someone hit you twice, that is preposterous. No way. Let someone who stole from you also have your shirt too? Does Jesus really expect us to do this? Why should we? How can we expect, be expected to uphold this? Because in truth, this is asking to be taken advantage of. It's asking us to be too vulnerable. It's asking for trouble. In fact, I would go so far as to say it's too lovey-dovey. It is not practical at all. Right? No way. In fact, it can be dangerous. I'm reminded of people who live in abusive homes. What are we to do? Turn the other cheek? Ask for another? I'll have you know this text has been used in many religious institutions to keep homes together that suffer from abuse, that keep victims being abused, and it's wrong. You cannot expect us to endure this kind of evil. And I'll say, God does not expect us to endure abuse, violence, and let wickedness prevail. I have to say this to anyone who needs to hear it. Jesus does not expect you to endure physical, mental, emotional abuse or death. I have no doubt in my mind 
If you take from this that you have to endure that kind of thing in order to be faithful, you do not. You can and should leave that situation. But one thing is undeniable in this message, and that Jesus is definitely challenging, is our response to such violence is encouraging us to respond non-violently. Dr. King comes to mind, right? Gandhi comes to mind. These people who began great movements through non-violent protest. Standing up for what's right as instruments of peace, boycotts. No physical conflict. These were not about retribution or violence, but about peacemaking. Speaking to this crew that's here in this room, my guess is many of us do not endure that sort of daily disrespect or abuse. This lesson applies to many of our daily encounters as well. This goes beyond physical conflict. I don't know how many of you get slapped around here daily, but if you don't, my guess is Jesus, in his time, when we're talking about this striking someone's cheek, we're talking about a shame and honor culture in those days. We're talking about physical expressions of division, conflict, breaking of contracts, frustration. We have many ways, though, in the modern day that we endure conflict. Maybe not physical slaps, but words, criticism, public shaming. I'll give you an example of one that maybe you've run into as well. Um, I remember after college, I started a job as a sales rep selling plants to, I worked for a big big uh, farm that sold plants to Targets and Home Depots in Florida. So I was driving all over Florida selling plants and sometimes I'd get a new store in a new area and I'd be navigating their sort of like shopping areas. Good Lord, the traffic patterns. And I was learning this new one and one of these things happened where two people went to same lane and I was livid because I felt like it was his fault. But then I thought about it a little further. I he probably does this daily, and I probably, this is my first day. In any case, we nearly ran into each other, and of course we then come up to the light next to each other, and I'm, obviously, this person is an idiot, right? Because it's not like I could have made a mistake. So I look over, can't help it. This dude, if smoke could come out of your ears, it would have been. This guy was like, I mean, the most animated anger I've ever seen. It's like a cartoon. And I was like, and I don't know what came over. I went like this. My bad. Sorry. He literally went from, to, I was like, what? Wow. Wow, what a response. That is wild. Um, I, Loving your enemies is not about this sort of like, oh, I just love this person next car. I gotta go give him a tender kiss on the forehead. No, no, it's not rolling over. It's taking back control of what is inevitably a lose-lose situation and by taking control of the one thing you can control, which is yourself. And in that case, it was, do I really want to get into a competition of flailing arms? No, my bad. I don't know why I said that, because in my head, it was his bad. <laughs> but think about it. Jesus spells it out plainly. He gives examples. Someone takes your coat. That's an outrage. That's my coat. I want to get it back. I will get it back. And if, if good things happen, they'll be punished for their transgressions. Give them my shirt, too. 
That is one way to take back control of this situation, not to propel and encourage additional violence, but to end it, to claim it. The victory is not in the defeat of another, but in the defeat of this conflict. We can end this conflict. We can defeat these kinds of things without resorting to violence against our neighbor. The death of Jesus exemplifies this perfectly as he is arrested, beaten, executed, and at no point does he begin cursing out his accusers, yelling at the judge, condemning those who are crucifying him. Some would say, look, you didn't even fight back, but in truth, what's he going to do? Fight like an army by himself? No. Loving your enemies is perfectly summed up in Jesus' character, who is the most loving person to ever exist, and at the same time seems to be the least sentimental in his practicality. Jesus is not cuddly. He's profoundly and laser-beamed, fixated, focused on the restoration of all people, even those who seek his death. Jesus is not here to fight against sinners, he is here to swallow up sin, to swallow up death. Jesus loves so much, he is prescribing the only practice that actually puts an end to violence. It's profound. If there's a takeaway or a challenge, you absolutely know who you are angry with, who you would love to see punished, who you would want to see brought down a peg or get even with, Perhaps there are people who have sinned against you in ways that you will never be able to forgive. God understands that. Christ understands that. But you are still invited to seek peace. That doesn't mean giving someone another opportunity to hurt you, but for your sake, know that God's hope for you is not that you would be hurt so badly that you would then in turn hurt someone else. God doesn't relish in suffering. God doesn't mean for wicked deeds to go unpunished. But God is saying we are not instruments of violence. We are not made to spread the hurt around. God does not seek to spread anger through your suffering. We are invited to seek peace. Peace of spirit. In daily encounters like I had driving, or perhaps in your offices, in your workplaces, in your grocery stores, in your home, in the midst even, yes I'll say it, political discourse, I would urge all of us to follow this example set by Jesus in choosing generosity of spirit, choosing grace, favor towards our neighbor, to choose love and remember that our neighbor is not our enemy, that your neighbor is not the problem, but that violence and hatred, these are no solution. This is the enemy. Because the only solution we have to end this cycle of violence is to control ourselves and ask ourselves, what kind of peace do we, as people of peace, want to make? And what must we do in order to tell a new story? We come here to hear it, but some folks aren't here. <laughs> you have an opportunity to tell this story, this new story of life and love, a new story where there are no more thems, where no one has to die naked and screaming on a cross, where nobody needs to be sacrificed in order for peace. Where there are no more divisions amongst you and your relationships over matters of pride. Where there are no more outcasts for the sake of our own fears. Instead, 
tell a story that Jesus is telling of a world restored to grace, confident in the hope of peace. Amen.